Hey, great. Great, great, great. So if you are around, we hope that uh, you can participate in some form or fashion. And again, uh, that is just us being the Big C, right? The Big C Church. Uh, we uh, come to Second City Church, but we're part of the Big C Church, the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, we want to have a unified effort in terms of serving, praying for, believing for, and preaching the gospel in the cities in which we find ourselves. So this is an opportunity to do so, and we hope that you can join us for that. So again, <clears throat> welcome, welcome. Um, again, if you have... Uh, come for the first time, and I haven't met you yet. My name is Roland. I'm the uh, lead pastor here, and it is good for us to be with you. Um, we have been going, uh, if you're just joining us, through a series um, after Easter through the book of Acts. And Acts is actually one of the early histories of the church, the earliest history that we have of the church, written by a man named Luke. And if you're familiar with the Gospels themselves, they're uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, who is the author of this uh, particular history of the church, and John. And Luke was a physician and traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament letters. And what we do after Easter is we try to go back to the book of Acts um, in succession to really get a feel for what we're to be as the people of God in the city in which we live. Now, if you've ever read the book of Acts before um, or studied the history of Acts, it's been called two things. Uh, number one, the Acts of the Apostles, which were the followers of Jesus that he sent out to bring the kingdom of God in the known world at the time. And it's also been referred to as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Bible. No, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? So God the Holy Spirit is the one authoring the activity of the church, not only in the book of Acts, but also today as we live and breathe, and we're getting inspiration from that today. So if you have a Bible, please open with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, as we continue our series, Chicago Fire, uh, the Spirit-led church in the city. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Jesus and a church with more to learn. Jesus and a church with more to learn. <laughs> now you might look around and notice that uh, what we have amongst us right now are working people, right? If you look to your right and to your left, the majority of the people that we have around us right now are working people. Why? Because a lot of the semesters have come to an end. And if you are a, a teacher, I know you're like, yes and amen. Do we have any teachers who are like, yes and amen there, okay? So, but a lot of our uh, college students are dispersing and going back to their hometowns for the college semester. And a lot of what I remember about um, being a college student or just a student in general is, is that we had summer reading lists, right? Summer reading list, that though the, <laughs> though the school year ended, there was still, going into the next year, more to learn, right? There was more to learn. It didn't matter what place that we had gotten to in the year prior, there was some place else to go in our academic learning and our understanding of the world around us. And how many people know that that is absolutely true about our relationship with God? It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with him, he is the infinite, eternal, inexhaustible God, and there will be continually more to learn about him as you relate to him day by day, week by week, year by year throughout your lifetime until one or two things happen. Either Jesus 
comes and makes his return, or you die and go and face him in judgment. Isn't that good news? That there's always more to learn. Now, if you've grown up in the church, that can be a challenging thought. Because whenever you grow up in the church, you feel like you've been exposed to all the things that are important, right? To all the things that are repeated, even traditionally annually at Easter and Christmas and, you know, certain sermon series that you hear, they're on repeat and you hear them recycled throughout the years, right? Or if you are diligent to read your Bible, there's only one Bible. And so eventually, if you go Genesis to Revelation, you've covered it, right? You've covered it. God's not writing more scripture. There's not new Bible to be found or discovered or learned. But what we do know is that as we read that same Bible day after day, week after week, year after year, the Holy Spirit is illuminating for us new things that tell us not only give us a greater understanding of who he is, but how to walk with him. Not only how to walk with him, but how to serve him in the world in which we live. The application becomes more relevant during the different seasons of our lives. How many people have found that to be true? Meaning that you could find the same scripture, the same word that's been preached to you over and over again. But because your circumstance has changed, all of a sudden it pops and it comes alive to you in a brand new way. And it's the Holy Spirit showing you that I am one God, unchanging, eternal. My word is eternal, applying to all generations, but you've still got more to learn. And until you see Jesus, until you meet him face to face, there will be more to learn. And this is what the church learned in the book of Acts, that though they had walked with him, that though they had talked with him, though they had experienced him to a certain measure, there was more to learn. And the thing that would keep them from progressing in God is pride, right? It's pride, where God says continually, listen, I want you to be aware of this. I oppose the proud, but I give my grace. And how many people need grace in here? Okay, grace to live, grace for forgiveness, grace to continue on in the things of God. Grace, even the scripture says, to say no to ungodliness, right? As we wait for the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ and we live for his will in this earth. But he says, I oppose the proud and give grace to the humble, Give grace to the humble, but what that means is is that you've always got more to learn. So let's see in the scripture today how the church learned that in Jesus after Jesus' resurrection, and we'll talk about it today in terms of two things, a a matter of perspective, and number two, a matter of exposure. A matter of perspective, and number two, a matter of exposure. Let's start with a matter of perspective. Acts chapter 18. It says, now a Jew named Apollos... A native of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. An eloquent man, competent in the scripture. So what did that mean? That that meant from the get-go that he had an understanding of the Bible. He had an understanding of the Bible to a certain extent, and he had an understanding of it in such a way that he was able to communicate it to other people, not only for his own benefit, but for theirs as well. He was an eloquent, an eloquent man with a command of the scriptures. He had been instructed also in the way of the Lord. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. And if you've come for any period of time now, you've been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, I love all these adjectives, 
I love all these character qualities about him, right? He was fervent in spirit, meaning that he wasn't just a a sort of a Sunday Christian. You know what I mean? He wasn't just somebody who filled a seat. He wasn't somebody who just came and did things because his parents told him to do so or because it was a cultural experience that he had. He was fervent in spirit. He said, God, I want all of you. God, whatever you have, I want it. And whatever you want me to receive, I want to receive it. Whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. And how many people want to have that kind of heart before the living God? That God, I don't want to just know about you. I want to be fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit, passionate before you. Just as you are passionate about me till your dying day. Jesus on the cross, where you could on the cross say, it is finished because I was fervent in spirit to honor my father, fervent in spirit to get a hold of those that I love. And I laid down my life for them on the cross to get a hold of their lives and redeem them. He said, this man, Apollos, was fervent in spirit for the Lord as well. And said, he, being fervent in spirit, spoke and taught, spoke and taught accurately. I'm taking my time here. He spoke and taught accurately, meaning he was not in error. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Though he knew only the baptism of John. He was a man astute, competent to communicate, fervent in spirit, familiar with the scripture, but knew only the baptism of John. If you know anything about the baptism of John, what he's talking about is the baptism of repentance. When John the Baptist, who was a predecessor of Jesus, came speaking prior to Jesus' earthly ministry where he would be revealed to Israel first and then to the world, John came preaching a baptism of repentance, meaning that he was turning the people who had been exposed to the law of God away from their sin and to righteousness, to the commands of God. He came as a prophet coming to return people to the ways and the commands of God. And when they got baptized under John's preaching, they were saying, I repent of my sin. I repent of my sin. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning to the commands of God. And Apollos had heard this over and over again. And he was like, I heard about this Jesus. I heard about this Jesus who was sinless. I heard about this Jesus who actually taught, you know I mean, um, uh, about the kingdom of God. I heard about this Jesus who works signs, wonders, and miracles. And he started to talk about this Jesus, but he only knew the baptism of John. Now, why was this scripture pointing this out? Because we just celebrated Easter. And when Jesus was speaking at his resurrection, he said, there's not just the baptism of John. He said, you need to baptize people post my resurrection from this day forward, not just in a baptism of repentance, but you need to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what was that name given? The name of Jesus. You need to baptize them in the name of Jesus. You need to honor the Son just as the Father has honored the Son. 
And all roads lead through him. Where Jesus culminated and say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Apollos spoke of maybe a scholar, many scholars think that he spoke about Jesus' life and miracles accurately. But he might not have been exposed to what Jesus taught when he talked about all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, and therefore go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what happened? It said that he knew only the baptism of John, verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila, and remember Priscilla and Aquila are the friends of Paul who actually joined him in his ministry. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. You digging this? You see what he's saying? He was familiar with the scripture. He was fervent in spirit. He spoke about Jesus accurately, but he only knew the baptism of John. Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and they're like, great, like-minded, awesome. But I'm going to take you aside and explain the way of God to you more accurately, because what you might not have heard of is what Jesus spoke about at his ascension. What you might not have heard about is Pentecost, And I'm going to teach you that there's more to God to be learned. I'm going to teach you the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures once again that the Christ was Jesus. First of all, he had a certain perspective. He had a certain perspective. And based on the perspective that he had, he was faithful with what he had. How many people remember actually being exposed to the things of God, but not being so faithful with what you had been given up to that point? What I mean by that is, remember growing up in church and actually hearing it over and over again, but maybe not necessarily living for Jesus, right? You went to church on Sunday, but partied hard Saturday night. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you did all the things, and every Sunday you came back talking about, I need to confess, I need to repent, right? Going through those same old cycles over and over again. And what happened is, is that he says, listen, you are ga- giving me only a portion of your heart because you only know per- up to this point that Jesus might be Savior, offering himself as Savior to you, but you might not know that he needs to be your Lord. You might not know that he needs to be Lord and Master of your life. And so many people come to church, come to the cross, come to the gospel, saying, Jesus is my Savior. But when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, listen, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Christ, meaning the anointed one. Christ, meaning the one who would come to save and deliver. Christ, meaning the one who would come and heal and restore people's lives. But he would do that through lordship. And they were inextricably bound. And so many people, so many people say, I've tried religion or I've tried the church and I've tried Jesus, but it hasn't worked for me. And you know why it hasn't worked? Because you've never submitted your heart to him as Lord. 
You've come to him expecting him to be your savior, but until he's your Lord, he's not going to do the work in your life that the Bible says he would. He says, you've got more to learn. Apollos was in this place where he's like, I'm teaching about Jesus fervently and accurately, but I've got to learn more. C.S. Lewis said it this way, that it would seem that our Lord finds our desires, our desires as compared to Apollos's, not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. This is what he said in The Weight of Glory. People are always like, listen, I go to God when I'm in need. And he's like, you're going to continue in that same old cycle of despair, of guilt, of broken relationships, of all type of anxiety until you get to the point where you say, my pleasures, my soul actually finds rest in one place alone, God. And my salvation, I know, comes from him. And I'm not going to serve him in anything less than him being both Savior and Lord of my life. And if I put anything before him, I know I'll be disappointed. If I put anyone before him, I know I'll have missed the mark. Because God says, I've got more for you. Apollos learned this and he said, listen, it's not just what, I'm ex- what I've been exposed to, it's what I'm putting into practice that counts. It's what I'm putting into practice that counts, right? Many people always say to me, listen, Raul, I've heard that. Listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> okay, but are you basing your life around that? Are you living in such a way that you let it define you, that Jesus is in fact the one, the leader, the one in charge, the one calling the shots in our lives? If not, we've got a wrong perspective and we've got more to learn. We've got more to learn. And if you're here today and you've been exposed before, but you've never come to the cross and submitted your life, today is your day to do so, where you can repent and believe the good news. But repentance comes before believing the good news. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourself and just playing a game. It's a matter of perspective, but it's also a matter of exposure. Why? Because the exposure is this, that God never tells us to serve him as Lord on our own. We already said that there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And anything that God says to do, he empowers us to do. Now, that's the good news, is it not? This is a living, dynamic relationship. It is not just you growing in the knowledge of God, and so many of us have just made our walks with God academic. Merely academic. And what I mean by merely academic is there's, there, there is an, there's a familiarity with who he said he is, but there's no dynamism in terms of your relationship with him. There is no empowering presence that goes with you in the workplace. When we are with your friends who don't know or don't believe, 
There's no empowering presence when you're with family and it seems like things are hard and falling apart around you. There is nothing sustaining you. Why? Because you know about him, but you haven't come to him to have life. That's what Jesus said very clearly to the religious leaders of his day. He said, you diligently study the scriptures. Diligently. Just like Apollos, right? You diligently study the scriptures because you think that in them you'll find life. Yet these are the scriptures that testify about me, is what Jesus said. Yet you refuse to come to me by the leading of the scriptures to have life. He's like, it's not just growing in the knowledge of God. You've got to begin to relate to him that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can empower you to live for him. And it's not just you saying Jesus is Lord. It's you being empowered by that spirit to overflowing. So you're living an overflowing life and have the ability to stand before him and with him, no matter what you're doing, who you're with, or what you're about. And some of you have been so like Apollos, been fervent of spirit, but have more to learn. And this is what, continuing this flow, the scripture continues to testify to in Acts 19. Verses 1 through 10. We're just following the reading of the scripture. Remember, he's building out a context here. He's building out a context here. First, it was just a matter of perspective, but then sometimes it's a matter of exposure. I thought that it was just growing in the knowledge of God. How many people grew up in a setting like that? If I just go through my first confirmation, or I just get, you know, go through catechism, or I've had my first communion, or, you know, it's, it was all information based. Or it's all about what you do, right? But there's nothing in terms of interacting with the very one the scripture are talking about. And is that not our hope? And is that not our goal? Is that not God's goal for us? That we would interact with the one the scripture is talking about? Yes, is the answer. And this is what Paul addresses the disciples with on this day. It said, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, this is following the narrative. Remember, context is important here. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. Now, this is important. Now, let's break this apart again. There he found some what? No, come on down. You read with me. There he found some disciples. disciples. There he found some disciples. People who are already trying to follow. That's what a disciple means. It didn't say uh, Paul found some unbelievers. It didn't say that Paul found some, you know, hooligans. And he preached to them too. No, it said he found some disciples. People who wanted, already wanted to do what's right. Right? Isn't that what, what Apollos was? He was a disciple. Teaching accurately about Jesus. He found some disciples, verse 2, and he said to them, "Woo!" he said to them, now this seems crazy to me, only because of my perspective. He said to them, 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, this isn't, this isn't just Joe Blow on the corner now. Anybody walk down Michigan? Okay. No, listen, there are brothers. See the dude on the mic? Listen, I'd rather stand with them than the people who are standing against the Lord, right? But this isn't Joe Blow. This is Paul asking the question. Different, different stature, okay? Everybody agree to that? The writer of three-fourths of the New Testament letters, okay, by the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I mean, he had a little relationship going. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, we know that salvation is not by works, but by, if you read the Scripture. <laughs> right? So the prerequisite for salvation is actually faith, or another word for that is, b- yeah, belief. <laughs> it's belief, right? He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. Why? We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Come on now. Come on, how, how, here's the thing. They haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They wanted to be disciples. They believed what they had been exposed to. We're talking about exposure now, right? They believed what they'd been exposed to, but he said, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. I'm not resisting him. I'm not standing against him. I just haven't heard. Anybody ever been like that before? There are a whole lot of things, right? Now, I'm going to give like a little quick confession to you. Like, let me give you an example, okay? An example, things that you might not have heard before. <laughs> so I didn't grow up in church. <laughs> and so when I came to Jesus, I, I heard I'd been exposed to the fact that I could be forgiven. Good news, right? Is that part of the gospel? You better believe it. It's part of the gospel. But I did not know that I could live a life of victory. I did not know that I did not have to sin anymore. I didn't have to live a perpetual life of sin. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about being bound in that cycle. I didn't know. Now, I'm going to get real honest with you. So I was courting my wife, B. And I remember I was on a date with her at the food court. That's right. The food court. I treated her right. Right? At the food court. And she, she said to me, she's like, listen, this is going well. And I was like, I know, baby. You know, and I, <clears throat> but she asked me something because I came from a broken background, different issues in my family's line, right? And so she asked me honestly one day, she said, Rollin, I just need to know if we're getting more serious, are you ever going to cheat on me? Mm, got real. <laughs> And you know what I said? I was trying to live the Christian life as I knew it. I said, I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, 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 listen. Listen, because I thought I was being honest. What I had been exposed to is, Rollin, you need to be honest. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to be honest. I don't know. I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. And you can imagine 
her response. <laughs> she just dropped her mouth and said, this date is over. <laughs> and I said, I don't know why. <laughs> and so obviously that was a hard night. We separated. And I went back to the place of prayer. <laughs> and I went back to the Bible. And I didn't understand why she's so upset. I was just doing the Christian thing, being honest. But all I had been exposed to was I could be forgiven, but not free. I could be forgiven, but not free. But all of a sudden, when I read the Bible, I all of a sudden saw that I could not only be forgiven, but he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that he's coming to set me completely free from the sin that I used to be bound in. So when I read that, I went back to B, and I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was rebuked by the Lord. And what I'd been exposed to up to that point put limitations on me. But when I read the everlasting word of God, I had a new perspective. And all of a sudden, I said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not only am I not going to ever cheat on you, but baby, you're all I see. <laughs> Hello. Still to this day, still to this day, yes, 18 years later, looking fine as ever, right? Because she's all I see by the word of the Lord. But prior to that, I had not been exposed. But when I got exposed, all of a sudden my faith came to a new place. And so what Paul's saying is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Listen, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. He said, then what baptism did you receive? Once again, into what were you, and were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Into John's baptism. Continue on. And Paul said, listen, I'm going to explain this real quick to you. John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is in, come on, say it together now. Jesus. Yeah. Our king, our ruler, our God, right? To believe in the Jesus. On hearing this, how about this? Though they had been baptized in John's baptism of repentance, guess what? When they heard about Jesus, they what? They were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Some of you ask the question, do I need to be baptized if I got sprinkled as a kid? Well, let me tell you something. If you only took a bath at church because your parents forced you to, but there was no repentance in you, you need to get baptized now. Into the name of Jesus. So he could set you free. And then they went on. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, whoa, why are they touching me at church? <laughs> I want my space. Your rights end where my nose begins. Right? <laughs> Keep your hands to you. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit came on them. That's right, not only did Paul touch, the Holy Spirit touched. The Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying.
I'll just read that with you. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Hmm. Now, when I first read that, I was like, what? Anybody else? I read my Bible and I was like, what? is that in there too? <laughs> I was like, Where, where's... That, you mean that wasn't just like, you know, that storefront on the like corner? <laughs> it was actually in the Bible? So I had to read some more. <laughs> I had to read some more. It's like, help me now. <laughs> help me, help me. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. I started to read. And Paul's talking to this whole context, right? Remember, he's in Corinth, right, in Ephesus. And Paul's talking to the churches in these regions. And then he says to the Corinthian church, he's like, first of all, guys, I know you've had a certain perspective. I know you've been exposed to certain things up to this point, but two things I'm gonna instruct you with. Number one, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. 1 Corinthians 12. Anybody ever read that before? About spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant, meaning not, not stupidity, it's just I don't want you to be unaware of them. And then secondly, actually we'll say three things. 1 Corinthians 13 goes into marriage, right? No, that is not the scripture on marriage, right? How many people have been to a wedding before and like they basically talk about like, okay, love is patient, love is kind, love is, right? And they use that just for weddings. It's just like the only time they bring it out, <laughs> okay, right? But how many people know that that was contextualized? He says, 1 Corinthians 12, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. Then 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to do them all in love. Because if you do all these things but have not love, you are like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If you do all these things spiritually but you do it in the wrong spirit or the attitude, I mean, you gain nothing, you are nothing. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, um, yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, hey, listen, until you see me face to face, right, I'm going to be working my power so people can see me. Even the Revelation, he talks about prophecy, what he was just referring to there, meaning speaking the oracles of God, it actually is the testimony of Jesus. Points to Jesus for our strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And so he talks about first, I don't want you to be ignorant about them. First Corinthians 13, do it all in love. And then first Corinthians 14, he says, do it all in order. Do it in all in order. But as you do it in order, I want you to eagerly desire them. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Do you know what that means? It once again connects us back to Apollos who was fervent in spirit. Have you ever had a meal presented to you before and you bore with it? Come on, be honest now. It doesn't have to be because of your spouse sitting next to you. It's like, listen, it's like you've been at a guest's house and you were like, listen, I'm bearing with this meal. <laughs> and I'm going to eat and then thank God they have pets I'm going to give. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with what was presented to me. Right? But it's different 
when they're cooking your favorite meal, right? It's different. You're like, chow down. You're like, boom, boom, boom on the table, right? Boom, boom, bring it on, baby. I don't know what your favorite meal is, but I like, I mean, my family's Jamaican, so I'm like, give me some hacky and saltfish. Right? So it's like, listen, give it to me. Go home, and I'm like, Mom, I need to smell it. I'm fervent about it. I make requests. I eagerly desire it. I don't just taste it if it comes around. I will actually think about learning how to cook it. That's the command of God, right? It's reading the Bible. It says there were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly. That's right, by the Holy Spirit. Because he wasn't just teaching about it. He was empowered by him speaking boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, Lord Jesus, may we never be those people. Hello. No, I'm I'm serious about this. May we not be these people. This Bible now. It says, when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, which was referring to Jesus, before the congregation. Listen, you can find plenty of camps where they're happy to honor God the Father. They're happy to talk about Jesus the Son, but they'll malign the Holy Spirit. Not good. Hello? Hello? Not good. One and all, right? One and all. I want God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and all that comes with him in the Bible, right? Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Matter of perspective, matter of exposure. Number one, church, don't let anything disgust in the body divide you. You hear me? You hear me? We like what the Moravians would repeat over and over again. In the essentials, what? Unity. In the non-essentials, diversity. But in all things, charity. In all things, charity. Do not allow your stances to divide you from your brothers and sisters. Do not separate yourself from that which God himself is doing in you and through you because of your tradition. Number two, 
Because Jesus, when he prayed for his church, he said, I pray that they might be one, even as I and the Father are one. Look in Romans 14 and 15, it talks about the different faith of the believers, right? But they were expected to be one in love. Our posture today is this, that regardless of what background you come from or where you stand, we'd all be like Apollos, fervent in spirit and hungry for more. Is that what we see in Scripture? That we're fervent in spirit and hungry for more of God? And if you are in that place, let me tell you, God can take care of the rest. But the question is, are you in that place? Do I think I've got it all packaged together, nice and tidy with a bow on it? And this is my Christianity? Or am I saying, like we were singing about in the song earlier, and Lord knows I did not prompt the worship team. Thank you, Lindsay. But listen, I did not prompt the worship team with that song. That's just the Holy Spirit bringing unity and even messaging. God, am I open to more of you? Because Lord knows I need encounters with you, not just knowledge about you, if I'm going to live this life that you called me to. And I hope that that's everybody's desire in here today. That regardless of what you've had in God up to this point, you would want more. If you need to come to him as Lord today, that today would be your day to do so. That you would say, Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord and I'm submitting to you. No more games, no more religiosity because the religiosity needs to die. And doesn't it? You've had enough of it and that's why you've been in and out of church all the while anyway. Even like this doesn't work. Uh, this religiosity is not for me anyway. That's right. It's not for you. God doesn't intend it for you. Let it die and come to him wholly. And if you've already been walking with him fervent in spirit, acquainted with the scripture, speaking accurately about Jesus, all of these things, you're a disciple, a believer, throw any quality on yourself that was attached to the people in Scripture. My whole appeal to you is desire more. Desire more of the living God. Desire more of the living God. He's not dead, he's alive. He rules and reigns today and moves today, empowering people to live for him until his return. And may we be a people who actually live in that place. So my question for you today is this, and I'm done. Will you desire more? Will you want more of the living God? To talk with him, to walk with him. To how about this? Why were they able to prophesy? Because they were hearing from him. That's right, God speaks today, guides today, right? Will you be empowered by him that this world isn't convinced by our fine-sounding arguments, 
But by the same signs, wonders, and miracles that followed Jesus' ministry, he said, anyone who believes in me will not only do these things that I've been doing, they'll do greater things than these. These are the words of Jesus. Because I'm going to the Father. That's what Jesus said. Not your favorite podcast preacher. That's what Jesus said. And so the question is, will we be a people who rise up in faith to say, regardless of my perspective, regardless of my exposure, I want more of God today. The living God who has not only set me free, but wants to use my life to set others free in his mighty name. Freedom through the cross, freedom through his resurrection, freedom through this gospel, freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's come back up, worship team.